Today we join with Christians throughout the world as we begin Holy Week. Um, this is known as Palm Sunday, um, if you are not familiar with it. But this week is kind of the holiest week of the year for us as Christians. Um, it's even a bigger deal than Christmas. And as we move towards Easter Sunday, called Resurrection Sunday in some traditions, um, this is a time for us to kind of reenact Jesus' last week. And we take moments throughout it to kind of pause, you know, to remember the story. Because we are a forgetful people. And so Holy Week is this time where we start here on Palm Sunday. We move towards Monday Thursday, which is, Monday is a Latin word for command or mandate, which is a reminder to us of what Jesus said to his disciples. I give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. And it will be on that night that we, you know, kind of commemorate on Monday, Thursday, that Jesus will show them what love looks like in action as he kneels before them and washes their feet, doing the action of a slave for his disciples. He will then serve them a meal that we now know as communion, giving them a symbol in bread and wine of how his body and his blood will become broken for their sake and the sake of the world. It will be on that same night that they will enjoy that meal where a guy named Judas will also partake of that meal, will betray Jesus, and he will be arrested, abandoned, tried and convicted of crimes he did not commit as we then journey to Good Friday. And I was asked this week again, why is it called good? It's not a very good Friday, since on Good Friday we remember how Jesus was beaten, tortured, humiliated, forced to carry his cross through Jerusalem out to Golgotha, and then hung on a cross to die. It is the day that we remember his death. It doesn't seem very good, unless you remember that good is an old word that also can mean holy or pious. So this is Holy Week, where we remember what our God has done for us, how great he is, how great he is. Now, as we kind of think about this, we are at the very beginning. And as I said, this is Palm Sunday. And it's one of the events that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want us to sit with how Matthew tells us this story. And let me read it for us today. Um, it comes to us from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that. The Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the, cloak, and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, 
for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna is he saves, by the way. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This ends the reading. So we have this dramatic scene, as Matthew tells it. People are welcoming Jesus in on a donkey, of all things. And they're shouting Hosanna, which means he saves. Laying their cloaks on the ground, and, and that seems just weird, but it's almost as if they don't want his very feet to touch the ground. He is that special to them. And then there's a lot of waving of branches. And only John in his gospel tells us that they were palms, but this is Palm Sunday. And in many churches, um, you may have been in one of those churches at one point, um, I think we have done this before, is that children are given palm branches to wave as a reenactment. I now have young children. I do not give them weapons in church. Because most of the time, it's very fun, but then you also have the beatings that come, and the waving, and then just chaos. But this is often a very celebratory Sunday, as we enter into a very somber week for us as Christians. And the interesting thing is, as I looked at the story in Scripture this week, I was struck by the fact that the, the main symbol for this day is a palm, and the palm was not chosen by Jesus. John tells us, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. This comes to us from John chapter 12, verse 13. So there's some meaning to palm branches here. The crowd chose them as some sort of recognition of who Jesus is to them. Now, the fact is, we're in... Israel, palms, palm branches, they're around. This is the Middle East. It's a plant. It's a tree there. So they're nearby. It's common enough. But there is also important symbolism to them because history tells us that it has a deeper meaning, that these plants were actually symbols to military victories as well as being the Messiah. So the palm branch was associated with being a military victor and with being the Messiah. So keep that in mind as this is what the people grab onto when they see Jesus coming into Jerusalem. This is how they want to welcome him. This is what they deem an appropriate recognition of who he is. Now to understand this a little bit better is to know that just even a few generations before Jesus, you know, so before Jesus, there was a Jewish leader, Simon Maccabee, who drove Israel's enemies out. And this is um, told to us in the book of Maccabees, which is not in most Protestant Bibles, but is found a lot in our um, Catholic friends. It's the book of Maccabees, and it's actually a fascinating read. 
But so the Maccabees drove Israel's enemies out of Jerusalem. They managed to drive out those who had conquered them. And the people celebrated. They celebrated by waving palm branches. And this is what our Jewish cousins celebrate at Hanukkah, is this victory. See, palm branches were a sign of the Messiah as well, a symbol of victory and celebration. Seems appropriate for welcoming Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. This is how they see him. To him, he was another Maccabee, another hammer to strike at their enemies, to take out the Roman Empire that was oppressing them, that had them under their boot heel. They were going to rise up and take back what was theirs, right? This is how they see Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem. But let's remember that palm branch that they're waving around. That is not the symbol Jesus chose for his entry. Jesus chooses a donkey. A donkey. Not some beautiful horse, but a donkey. And all I can think of is Shrek right now. Um, (laughs) But all of our Gospels point to this symbol. This is what Jesus chose as a signifier of his kingship. And it was actually foretold in Zechariah. So this is a fulfillment from the prophets in the Old Testament of Zechariah. And it comes to us from Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly. This should sound familiar. I just read it to you from Matthew because Matthew is quoting this passage. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You weren't sure it's a donkey. And so think about this. This is the symbol, not this one. A donkey, not this beautiful like horse. You know, you think about horses in the ancient world. They were trained for war. They themselves were considered part of the warfare. Now, we get a donkey. Now, there's nothing wrong with donkeys. Actually, you know, I like probably one of those dwarf ones, the really cute little ones that don't get bigger than maybe, you know, a Labrador. But it's so strange to me, though, that we, as a, as a Christian kind of people, we have focused on these palm branches, which is only mentioned in one gospel, Yes, branches are mentioned in others, but only palm branches are named in one of the Gospels, but not the donkey that is named in all four. I think it says a lot about us that we grab onto this symbol of palm branches as opposed to this symbol of a donkey. It says a lot about us and our desires, our goals for who Jesus should be, that we grab onto that detail and that we then apply our desires for who the Messiah should be, who Jesus really should be. We wave the palm branch saying, this is who my Jesus is, rather than look to who he really is. See, we should probably 
do more observing of who Jesus really is in our Gospels. What do the Gospels really tell us about Jesus? What does he choose for himself? I think that's probably more important than what we choose for him. It doesn't mean the palm branches are wrong. They're very right. This is a victory. This is a sign of the Messiah to come. But even more so is this donkey. See, sometimes we look for a Jesus who looks more like us than we seek to look like Jesus. And I think that's a question we have to wrestle with every day. Am I making Jesus to look more like me, or am I looking more like Jesus? The silly cliche that was around and still sticks around, what would Jesus do? It's a cliche. It's way overused. But sometimes cliches have some grounding in them. You know, and, and when they become cliches, we ignore them. But I want us to kind of understand the point of it. It asks us to consider a way to measure our decisions, our actions, our words, to determine a faithful response that reflects Jesus. It doesn't seem so cliche. It actually seems pretty um, out of fashion, something not a lot of Christians engage in, at least publicly at times. And so, and by the way, when I pick on Christians, I'm picking on myself quite a bit. So as we kind of look at this, as we look at not only this story that comes to us from Matthew, but also how we understand Jesus overall, how do we consider what it is to follow him? How do we follow Christ faithfully? And notice I didn't say follow Jesus the right way, the faithful way. See, that is what we're called to be, is faithful, not right. We, we get that mixed up a lot. Because it feels good to be right, doesn't it? Especially when you can point out that somebody was wrong, and that you are right. Does that ever happen in your arguments? Does that ever happen at trivia night? See, we get caught up in the right way to do things. And miss the point of faith completely. Because if we understand everything right, what does trust have to do with any of it? Where is there any risk? See, Jesus doesn't ask us to get it right. He asks us to be faithful. He asks us in that commandment he gives us that we reflect on on Monday, Thursday, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. That's very different than being right. It's asking us to be loving. Seeking to be like him in our thoughts and our actions, because our thoughts guide our actions, right? And we get called hypocrites because often we act even though we think differently. And Jesus chooses a donkey. And as we look to the donkey and not the palm, branch, what practices 
What change in thought might that inspire in you? What might it inspire in me? What part of myself doesn't look so much like Jesus that I may need to let go of? Much like the people let go of their branches come Monday morning after Jesus rode into town. What does it mean that Jesus chose a donkey, a beast of burden? This is exactly what Matthew tells us a donkey is, a beast of burden, a beast meant to carry burdens. This is an animal of the people, y'all. This isn't no stallion that you're riding in the parade. This is an animal meant to work, to serve humbly. This is not an animal that represents the ruling class. This is not a warrior's animal. You'd probably get laughed out if you rode up on a donkey, O Don Quixote. This, an animal, is meant to carry burdens. A symbol of service, a symbol of suffering, peace and humility. Doesn't sound like a warrior to me. Now, this doesn't mean that we are to be weak. Donkeys are rather strong animals. If you've ever tried to lead one, you know. They can resist you. They got a lot of weight behind them. And when it's used in service, it is a beautiful thing. Donkeys are strong animals. And we are not meant to be doormats. Because I believe that Christians should use our words and our actions. Especially as they relate to injustice that we should speak out against evil and we should also not only proclaim it but demonstrate it. See, sometimes we get a little too caught up in how much we talk and we should be doing a little bit more walk. We talk a good game, but do we love a good game? When our words are more concerned with our desire to be right, Rather than loving, we have missed the point. We have focused on those palm branches and not on the donkey. We are not then following Jesus. We're not following the donkey. See, I think we get caught up in making Jesus in our own image so much that we miss the point. We miss him. Because I'm not sure that Jesus hates the things that we hate since he called us to love his enemies, or called us to love our enemies anyway. That doesn't speak to hate when you choose to love your enemy. And I'm pretty, pretty sure he didn't want us to establish his rule through angry comments on social media, on bullying one another into silence and complacency. See, I think we too often pick up those palm branches and shout out in support of a false Jesus we've created in our image. 
not the crucified Messiah, whose rule is grounded and rooted in love. There is evil in this world we are to stand against, speak out against, name as wrong, and then do something about it. We should not simply pray about something we are not willing to take action on. But at the same time, we should be doing it in love. Because the enemy, the enemy is never flesh and blood. But we treat each other like that, don't we? We claw and tear at each other, ripping each other apart publicly again and again and wondering why this world is in so much pain. See, we kind of forget that this world that we live in, this world is loved by God and in rebellion against him. There is no but. There is an and. God loves us and recognizes that we're in rebellion against him through our sin. This is a tension we can hold both things true. Two things can be true at the same time. We don't think that a lot, but it can be. I live this every day as a parent. I love my kids, and sometimes I cannot tolerate their behavior. It's very true. And it goes into all of our relationships, right? You can love somebody and still be angry at them. Two things can be true at the same time. And as faithful followers of Christ, we need to hold that intention. But so often we have granted exceptions to that commandment to love. We have accepted so many of those exceptions to that love command that is almost empty of meaning. I love everyone except Republicans. I love everyone except Democrats. I love everyone but liberals. I love everybody but conservatives. I love everyone but my jerk of a neighbor who gossips about me and my family. I love everyone but mean people, right? I love everyone but those who annoy me. I love everyone but that jerk of a colleague who's just arrogant and throws me under the bus every meeting. I love everyone except fill in your own blank. We all have one. And as we continue to make those exceptions to that command from Jesus, we make it meaningless because then we pick and choose. And that's not love. Love is completely unconditional. But so often we have hoarded God's grace for ourselves. We said, it's all mine. I may not deserve it, but it's all mine. And we hold on to it for ourselves and we refuse to give it to anybody else. We refuse to offer grace to somebody else, even though we have received it in abundance. I don't know if that's a fear that if we give it away, we won't get more or that we've given away the only grace we'll ever get. God isn't like that. God's grace and love is abundant. The more we give away, the more we get. 
we refuse to offer what we have been given. We refuse to offer what we have been given to others. We sing about Jesus on Sunday and pay no attention to his words on Monday. I don't want us to throw away the palm branches. We need a Messiah. We need a victor. But we have to know what he has victory over. He has victory over sin, evil. He offers us salvation, not military conquest. I want us to be a celebratory people, celebrating that which we have received from Christ. Celebrate the coming king, but know the king who is coming. Celebrate the king who is coming, but know the king who is coming. Know this king chose a donkey for himself, not a conquering steed. Know this king chose a cross, not a throne. Know this king chose his own suffering as his path to victory. We are to look like Jesus, not make Jesus in our own image. If our Jesus looks a little bit too much like us, and we not enough like him, we need to flip that script. We need to relearn who Jesus is. See, we are made in his image. We are made in his image. So we need to stop applying our goals, our desires, our plans to him and start listening and observing what he has for us. See, when we, we stop doing that, when we stop applying our goals, our desires to him, the amazing thing is that God... God becomes God for us. God becomes even more beautiful, more loving, more graceful than we could ever have imagined. See, when Jesus let them know he was the Messiah, he wasn't just talking about a goal, a goal of God's rule on earth, God's rule over all things. That's part of it. That is part of what it is to follow King Jesus, yes. He and the crowd definitely agree on that part. But his earthly life and his ministry were also part of that message. We have four Gospels that lay out the person of Christ for us. Who he was, who he loved, how he loved. And his Life demonstrated a bigger goal of sacrificial love. How was he going to accomplish God's rule on earth? Sacrificial love. Jesus not only gave us the gift of forgiveness that flows through his passion that we reflect on this week and his resurrection that we will celebrate next Sunday, but he also gave us a way to follow 
if we continue to try and establish God's rule in this world through self-assertion, through trying to make our way known, by trying to put people under our thumb, crushing them with our words and our actions, rather than loving them, rather than simply giving them neighborly care, caring for them as they need to be cared for. When we seek our own way of trampling on people and waving our palm branches, we are not following the way of Jesus. But when we humble ourselves, follow after that donkey, and love people, truly love them, care for them, seek the best for them. That is what it is to follow Jesus into Jerusalem. That is what it is to follow Jesus to the cross and to participate in the resurrection. So my friends, this Palm Sunday, my prayer for us is that for all the shouts of Hosanna, the celebration, the excitement that God has come and God has saved us, that we remember that Jesus never lost sight of the cross and that Jesus chose the donkey. Amen.